Hi, I'm Kristen Brunius, and this is the Overcomers Podcast. I am so excited for you to hear the stories of incredible people overcoming trials and turning them into triumphs. From everyday moms and dads to entrepreneurs to community leaders and beyond, you'll see how everyone has a story of overcoming, and those stories are what connect us all. Let's hop right in. Hey, hey. Hey, welcome to episode one of Overcomers, Stories of Trial and Triumph. Hey, Ashley Geigel, you are my first guest. So glad to have you. (laughs) Wow, I can't believe that this is here. It um, feels a little weird, actually, um, because you're someone I talk to, you know, all day, every day, even though we live, uh, how many hours is it between us? Like 16, right? (laughs) Uh, more? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it was 16 to Mount Rushmore. I think we're like 12 hours away, but regardless, um, we live really far away from each other, but you're definitely part of my daily life. And now having you on a podcast where it feels kind of formally informal is, is kind of strange, but, um, Yeah, excited to have you. Um, So this is, like I said, episode one of Overcomers, Stories of Trial and Triumph. And um, this podcast was put on my heart. I don't even know. Ashley, how long have I been talking about having a podcast? Oh, well, I mean, we've known each other for, what, four years, five years, four years? And I think for at least three of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then all of a sudden it just kind of happened and, you know, uh, the Lord kind of makes his path clear, and when it's clear, you try your best to follow, and so that's kind of what I'm doing with really messy, um, feeling like I'm 40 years old with some of this tech, but figuring it out as I go. But um, as you guys will see as we go into more and more episodes, my heart behind the words overcomers is that everybody has a story. Everybody has a story that um, makes them an overcomer, whether it's in the small moments of the day um, or in the bigger trials of life that can soon turn into triumphs, um, we learn and we grow and we overcome things. And so Ashley is someone who has had a series of, like every human being, uh, small trials, but, you know, on a daily basis, I mean, we get out of bed every day, most days, hopefully, um, but has also had some some big things in her life and I think you guys will find some encouragement and you can uh, imagine yourselves in her shoes at different times in in her story so why don't we start with the most obvious how in the heck (laughs) is this girl from you know the suburbs of Chicago northwest Indiana um, become friends with this girl who lives in Myrtle South Dakota town of how many how many people 400 and 68. Woo! 468. Like, how did our paths cross that we developed this beautiful friendship? Yeah. So, um, back about four-ish years ago, we had, like, a incredibly strong snowstorm, and it lasted days, days on end. And um, I just had, like, a my fourth child, and so she was, like, six months old about the time. And um, I 
was feeling super trapped. Like my husband was, uh, he's a line superintendent for the electric company. And so he was out of town. Uh, well, not out of town, but he was in town at the office working uh, because of the outages and whatnot. And I was home with uh, these four kids, all under the age of seven. And um, it was, it was tough because it was for multiple days, I like three mm-hmm. days or something like that. You know, he maybe came home to sleep for five hours because that's what linemen do is they're out in the thick of it when um, it's hard. And so um, about day two of the storm, my sister was like, you got to jump in this online um, group and check out what this gal is talking about with this herbal company. It's like right up your alley. And I was desperate. I was like, anything I can get my hands on right now to help me just not feel like a mom zombie, <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted and needed it. And um, so it, it actually wasn't Kristen. It was a gal that works um, alongside Kristen. And she was talking about, you know, just how she was a mom, a young mom with young children. And she felt like it really helped her just kind of feel like herself again. And I thought, what the heck, I'm going for it. And I called her and I ordered the package. And um, a week later, I was like, this is incredible. It was um, it's basically adaptogenic herbs from Soul Naturals. And um, I felt like I could breathe, that I wasn't losing my mind, and that I was ready to work the business, which is where it led me to Kristen. So... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and being a being a network marketing company for those of you who aren't familiar with network marketing, um, you know, there's layers upon layers of people and I was one of those layers and Ashley reached out and um, you know, she, she claims that she worked hard to get my attention, but I knew who she was right away. She's amazing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was always like, "Hey, I have a question. Hey, let's do this." <laughs> But no, and then it just naturally clicked. You know, it, it took about a month. You got to make sure people are serious about this before you dedicate their time to them. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I get it. Yeah, but and and very, it. yeah, and you know, Soul Naturals was was the connector, but um, you know, it it went so much beyond that over time. You know, when we started to to develop a friendship, and you know. I will say time and time again that network marketing is a really cool industry in that way that you just get the opportunity to meet people that are like-minded from all over the place and it just makes the world a a smaller and just friendlier and happier place and I'm glad that I'm glad that you're part of that. So Right. 100%. And it's totally one of those things too that like even as our world has um, shifted a little bit now like you know maybe I'm not working the business as much as I was then but we're still in communication every single day because we have the friendship not soul was the friendship so but. yeah exactly exactly and that's that's a firm belief of mine that I'm you know even if I have customers or you know distributors or whatever whatever that come in and out of soul you know i don't like you just because you once purchased from me or once, right. you know whatever and um so tell us a little bit more cuz i think that's a big part of being an overcomer that not that you glossed over it but um overcoming those 
feelings because the reason I I stop here is because I think so many moms who are going to be listening to this can put themselves in your shoes and be like, yeah, I might not have a snowstorm. You know, I might live in Arizona, but I feel trapped. Mm -hmm. I feel overwhelmed. My husband works a lot or maybe husband's not in a picture. Maybe it's a single mom or maybe it's a husband that travels. So, you know, Tell us a little bit more about the Ashley who just felt like you were being suffocated and the Ashley you are today. Not that everything is perfect by any means, but um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's totally hard to go back to that spot, right? Because you don't want to go back to those those miserable and painful moments. But um, I... Like my goal, so um, when I started having my children, I felt like every night I needed that break, that I needed to get away, that I deserved it because I was a mom <laughs> and I worked part time and like that was my duty. And but then after like a time where I was like, okay, this doesn't quite feel right. It just feels like it's adding more stress to my body. And then I added another child, and um you know, as that continually progresses and your hormones are so all over the wall and you're not even sure where you want to be. Like, I think a phrase, one of the phrases that came out of my mouth during that snowstorm was like, I was never meant to be a mama for, and I don't want to be here. And that's when I, I think that was the moment that probably scared me the most is I was like, what did I just say? And what am I, what am I, where am I going with this? And um, you know, just being reactive to everything without like a quick temper. And if I was like frustrated, like, you know, that frustration showed. And um, there was, there was just so many of those painful moments where I felt like I was having like outer body experiences where I was watching myself go through the, those daily motions and almost felt like numb, like, my hair was a mess. I just got dressed so I could just sit around and listen to my children cry and whine and need. And um, it felt miserable, right? And so I think like that, not even I think, I know that that first moment that um, Adaptable was my was my product of choice, that I was like, I need this. And um Side note for everybody, there's a really amazing video on YouTube about Adaptable with our founder's wife. You all should go watch that. Sorry. Um, But with the Adaptable, I think I took it like the first, I took two capsules as soon as the box came. Like, I mean, I ripped that thing open and I took two capsules and I was like, okay, it's just messing with my brain. And I think that night, um, one of the kids spilled like a glass of milk and I was like, it's okay, you know, we're learning, and we'll just clean it up. Can you help me clean it up? Like, can you get a paper towel? And they went and got it, and I sat, like, after the whole situation, I sat in my room, and I was like, well, that was really weird, but still, like, it's just, it's just, you know, placebo effect type thing. And a couple days later, we were making Rice Krispies, and my, um, I think she was probably three or four at the time, went to dump the uh, measuring cup of rice krispies in the pot and it like behind the stove up the vent of the mic I, I don't know what she did um but there was rice krispies everywhere and I just kind of laughed and I was like okay well let's get a broom and let's clean it up and these were things like these were the monumental little things that I was like holy cow like there is that shift 
there's total shift in like how my reactions were with all of that. And, um, I just, I just remember feeling really surprised on that moment and which led me to want to dig into more. And then I started really working on like the, the holistic and natural healing of the mind and body and learning, you know, those pathways of like, if we can teach ourselves, um, how to take a breath in those moments and then we can have the ability to react in a more positive manner, which allows our children to learn in a positive way instead of being fearful of making a mistake. So um, it was a long process, right? It took a long, long, I shouldn't say a long time, but it took a year at least for me to feel more confident and more grateful for the things that I have learned that I can now share with my children and my family. And it all started because I wanted to just see if these herbs would work and um, they allowed me to just have like that that uh, peace of mind while I was going through the process. So it wasn't because of the herbs that there was so much success. It just led me to the success in wanting to learn more on how to um, behave, react, be a mom right. and everything. So, um, right. Yeah. 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 I think I think a lot of moms can relate to that because, you know, my kids are a little bit older than yours, but I, I totally know what you mean about, like, the numb, out-of-body experience. And I think what got me when my kids were little was, like, the main mundane routine is, like, the – there was no sense of accomplishment, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, like, you know, I had my kids super close together and it was like this endless cycle of bottles and diapers and nursing and sippy cups. It just, you know, they drink one bottle, you wash it, you fill it up. They drink another one, you wash it, you fill it up. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And it was just on and on and on. And there was no start. There was no stop. And granted, now that my kids are a little bit older, actually there was a stop because they, they grew out of it. But when you're in the midst of it, you just feel like this is never going to end. Right. It's never going to end. Yeah. Well, and when I started, you know, I was still nursing my youngest. And um, I'm in my office right now, which is actually her nursery room. And I'm looking at the exact corner of where the glider was. And, like, I just remember rocking her in the middle of the night. And when I'd wake up, like, I would put on an audio book that was, um, it was all about, like, letting go of what you were and, like, how how to move forward like um, and you know there was just those little mindset shifts that you know instead of getting on my phone and playing a game while I was nursing or scrolling Facebook like that was what I how I chose to those were just like the natural shifts that happened that I was like I know I'm ready for a shift and a change in here so yeah definitely right right a crazy time yeah and and you know I think I think the Soul Naturals products are amazing. But what is more amazing than the Soul Naturals products is you. Because yeah. it wasn't just, I mean, this this is what I do for a living, people. Like, I, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> distributor for Soul Naturals. But I will tell anybody and everybody that it's not, it's not a magic pill. It's those decisions that you make, like, to listen to an audio book or, like, to you know, try to put a smile on your face when you don't feel like it or to change your perspective or to 
fill out a gratitude journal or to Mm -hmm. drink water when you feel like drinking Coke or, you know, whatever, whatever. It's, it's, it's all of those things, but, um, and it can feel kind of like a frog and water kind of moment. I remember a number of times when I had that myself, like we had gone through some financial stuff previous to, you know, me getting healthy and I had developed like, it sounds so funny, a fear of the mailbox because the mailbox to me represented, you know, bills and bad news and whatever, whatever. And so like I would leave the mail in there for days upon end and without even really realizing it, I started getting the mail every day, you know, and it was like my husband would come home and there'd be mail on the counter and kind of give me a funny look like she got the mail today. Okay. You know, so it is sort of like a a slow kind of like frog and boiling water sort of thing where you don't realize how good you're doing until you're like, wow, they spilled all over the floor. Right. And I didn't lose my freaking mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or or even being like, yeah, let's play Play-Doh today. What? Like, we can just play Play-Doh? We don't have to do X, Y, Z to get to that point? I was like, yeah, let's just do it. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and let's play Play-Doh while there's dishes in the sink and laundry that needs to be folded. And, you know, we're just going to focus on you right now because, you know, sometimes when – you feel overwhelmed. It's hard to let go of all of those things and just be present in the moment. So, well, that's, that's amazing. And I hope for you moms and dads or aunts or grandmas or whatever that are listening, remember that, you know, in, in a lot of this, I, I I sort of feel like I'm like the elder mom all of a sudden because (laughs) I've like crossed the rainbow bridge. Like, my children are now alive and they made it past 10. But um, there is a level of that where I feel like, you know, now God has put me in a position and soon to be Ashley's as well, where like we can now say to you younger moms who might be listening, like, hey, it goes by really, really fast. And you're probably going to smack me for saying that because (laughs) I remember moms who would say that, but it, Really, like, really, the dishes can wait. Really, your house does not need to be insta-worthy. You know, it, right. it really, really doesn't. And like so, that's like such the downfall of social media, right? There's some, there's some ups and some downs of social media, but that is it. Is I think that the expectation of what a mom, what a mom's life should look like, is so wrong out on social mm-hmm. media. So you just gotta fight back and be like, listen. Right now, there's a stack of papers on my desk, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it goes both ways because there's also, like, this other end of social media where it's glorifying having a messy yeah. house and being a mess. Like, I'm the hot mess express or I'm the, you know, hot mess mom or whatever. Like, no, we don't need that either. Like, right. just be who you are. Just, yeah. just be you. You don't need to glorify being you know, Pinteresty, Instagram, TikTok worthy, nor do we need to glorify like those who are hot messes either because we do want to have, you know, aspirations of, um, you know, structure in our lives as well. Right. Like but, we are just standards mom, standard mom taking care of our children that are killing it every single day. <laughs> and yeah. our laundry might sit in the dryer for a few days, but that's okay. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're also not going to glorify when it sits in the in the laundry. Like we're right. amazing because we were able to let that go. Like right. there is an aspect of of culture that is moving that way a little bit. But that's besides the point. The point being is that for all of you moms who are listening, whatever stage of life you're in, like you're you're okay. Embrace it. The, yeah, the fact that you care means that you're an amazing mom already because if you didn't care, you know, there would be something wrong. But right. um yeah, and every stage has its its uniqueness. Like um you know, now that I have friends who have younger ones, I see in them where they're just like dying to get out of the house. Like, let's go to the post office today. Let's go to the grocery store. You know, let's walk to the fire station. All the things you do, you know, are just like, oh, let's just break up the mundane. Whereas me as a mom of two in middle school and one in upper elementary, I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I could just be home for one day and not have an appointment or have to go to the ortho, have to go here, have to bring this kid to this sporting event or whatever, you know, you mm-hmm. every single stage has its ups and downs and hardness and in between. So, right. but speaking of stages, um, probably the one of the hardest stages of your life was all the way at the beginning, right? Like really, when you were what um, three, four? Paxton was how old? Um, yeah. Paxton. Yeah. Paxton was um, about three, turning four, and um, my daughter at the time. It, by the way, everybody, just to plug it, it is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, so mm-hmm. just wear gold and shout that out and be loud and proud for those tiny survivors because they're pretty amazing. Um, but at the time when um, my daughter was about 10 months old, uh, my husband and I were laying, you know, in bed, and there was my daughter was there with us, and Paxton, we were just hanging out, and I felt like a um, a lump in her belly, and I thought maybe it was like a stool blockage, so I took her to our local clinic, which is not a doctor, it's just nurse practitioner that super qualified, like amazing person. Um, but I was like, I just there's something that's just not right, and so they referred us to Peer, which is the um, the capital of South Dakota and our closest city, if you want to say, for lack of better words. Um, I think, you know, by city, I mean, what, 15, 20, 25,000 people? Not large, but. Um, uh, so we get to the hospital, and it was like we needed to do blood tests. We needed to do x-ray. We needed to do um, a, a CT scan. And so we got all of those things done. And, you know, you just know in the pit of your stomach that it's not just a bowel blockage. But nobody was going to say, you know, it might be the worst thing. Um, And I just, like, remember that day so vividly. Like, we did all of the scans, all of the blood work. And they're like, yeah, go to lunch, you know, do your thing, and we'll call you back. Well, when they called us back, it was supposed to be like an hour when um, they called us back, like every machine, I swear to you, had broke down. <laughs> and so we were stuck in peer, and so we were just trying to consume our minds. But, I mean, you know. You just know when that moment comes. And they finally called us back to come to, back to the hospital, and the pediatrician came in, and she's like, listen, your daughter has a tumor in her stomach. 
um, you guys need to go to Sioux Falls right away. So Sioux Falls, for reference, is three hours away. Um, and so we were like, well, can we run home? Like, you know, you're just, you don't know what to think at first. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, can we run home and get close? <laughs> like, that was what, she, what came out of my mouth. And she was like, you can, but your daughter will be going via ambulance because she needs to get there right away. Well, then all of a sudden you're like, crap, like, what, what is going on? And, like, I remember we, we, made, we both made it to the elevator, and um, we pressed the button to get in the elevator, and I just melted. <laughs> and, whew, <laughs> is this what you were going for? No. <laughs> You're doing you're doing great. You're doing great. So I just like melted because you're like, what is going on? <laughs> I was twenty six years old with a a baby that now has a tumor. <laughs> like what is that? And um <clears throat> so we get in the car and we start driving. And first time and last time <laughs> so far that I've ever really seen my husband cry. So that was interesting. Like, I just kind of stared at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so he's driving, and I'm sitting right next to uh, Mulaney and just, like, holding her hand. You know, like, oh, my God. <laughs> and she's in her car seat. And I just remember, like, falling asleep. And about, um, oh, wow, I haven't talked about this for a long time. Um, about, you know, halfway there, I call my sister who's in Kansas City, and I'm just like, I can't even breathe. <laughs> and I'm just like, I need you, and I need you to meet me in Sioux Falls. And so she just jumped in the car <laughs> and met us in Sioux Falls. So, we got to the children's castle about seven o'clock that night, and um, in my head, you know, like I'm just used to a typical hospital. I was like, "Well, they're not going to do anything tonight." Oh my gosh, I was wrong. <laughs> they, um, when we got upstairs, the nurse that, and I wish, I wish I knew her name. Like I never saw her again except for that night. But I always wish that, like, I could just have that another moment with her where I was like hey like thank you for being amazing <laughs> because while they're used to it we're not right like it's a total adjustment for us and um Melanie was born with a full head of hair um at 10 months old it was past her shoulders and um I looked at the nurse and I was like is she gonna lose her hair like it's just bizarre the most random things that come to your mind when <laughs> Like, the things that don't matter. <laughs> like, instead of being like, am I going to lose my child? I was like, is she going to lose her hair? <laughs> um, and she was like, oh, probably, but it'll be fine. It'll grow back, and it'll be beautiful. And I was like, and I think I bawled for hours. Like, that was the one thing I was fixated on for even the next day, like, as we're sharing this with our community back home. And um, so that night, they did additional labs. Kind of got her hooked up to some, um, some I don't I can't say it was IVs because I don't think it was hydration. Like she was, 
she was eating and she was just fine other than this mass that was in her stomach and um the next day like they're like yeah we'll be back at six o'clock in the morning and they'll do the um the um bone marrow biopsy and so that was like the first time that I was like because they're like if it's in her bone marrow you know it it spread or you know it's going to be more serious than if it's just contained to just this mass and so that was like the first time that I was like all right God like I have not really utilized you to my full potential (laughs) and in this moment like I need you um so we just sat there and like obviously just prayed through the whole time she was gone and um she came back from her bone marrow biopsy and gosh they were so fun they they cut the bandage out to look like a little teddy bear um so you know it wasn't so scary (laughs) and uh then i thought for sure like that was going to be the extent of what the day was like that was enough for a parent to handle and then um the surgeon came back in and she was like, okay, so after lunch, we're going to place support. And I was like, well, doesn't her body need to heal? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just so crazy how fast it goes. And um, I was like, doesn't her little body need to heal? And they're like, well, we need to get, you know, chemo starts tomorrow. And I was like, tomorrow's like Saturday. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's just, you don't realize that the world doesn't stop or you know in that situation the world's not stopping like your daughter's gotta keep going like it's just goes it doesn't matter if it's Saturday or Sunday or whatever day like you're getting treatments when you need to have treatments so um and then that uh that that day then also my in-laws came with uh Paxton I believe and so Paxton was you know three And he was just like, what is going on? You know, his sister's in this crib at a hospital, a place he doesn't know. His parents are crying. His grandparents are crying. Like, there's just, it's chaos, right? And Mandy was there to um, be there with me. And um, I just remember, like, once we kind of got a game plan of Mulaney's chemotherapy treatment, um, Mandy was like, you know, what if I take Paxton back? I think it was like for a couple of weeks to Kansas City with her. They can just do their thing. The, her older two kids were in school, and she's like, Paxton, I can just have a heyday. And it's so funny because he was three, maybe four, and um, and he still remembers that. Like, he was like, remember that? T-? And he's 11 now. Um, and he's like, remember that time I went with Mandy when Lainey was sick and we went to Target. We tried on like all the masks and we dressed up because it was about Halloween time. And it's just so funny how he vividly remembers it because it just proves that it was a very like monumental time for him as well in his memory that stuck in there, like one of those core memories. And um, he's like, that was like the best time and I want to do it again. I mean, he brings it up every single year. So it kind of makes me giggle. <laughs> Um, so Melanie was diagnosed with low grade neuroblastoma. Um, and her treatment plan was wait, wait, slow down, say that again. Low grade neuroblastoma. So it so was a neuro neuroblastoma. Neuro. Yeah. Okay. Um 
And so her treatment plan looked different than many others. Neuroblastoma is one of the most popular childhood cancers. Um, it is typically, it is, um, I mean, what do you say? It's not easy. It's not best. It's not, you know, but if a child was going to have cancer, like that's kind of one of those that you kind of hope your child does have because it's the most, um, I don't, curable? I don't know what to say, you know, I, but, and I think it's so hard for me to talk about how it's the most curable because I've also met three or four families that their child has had neuroblastoma and they're not here anymore, you know, they're, they've passed on. And um, so I'm very sensitive with like how that's said because I, I don't want to be like, this is what you want. Um, right, right. But I think what happened for us is, um, or, you know, that moment was really where um, my relationship with, like, God really came into play. I wanted to, that made me want to learn more about his religion and his, you know, what he brings to us. And um, also on day two of being in the hospital, I woke up that morning and I was like, we're not going to sulk in this. We are going to shift our our outlook and we're going to make this the most positive journey that we can possibly have, which is really odd to say, but we did. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Powerful. Yeah. And um, th- and that's what we did. Like, we woke up at, when we opened the door, we were smiles on our faces. And it wasn't that we were hiding, right, because we were pretty – transparent if if you know me you know I'm fairly transparent anyway um but these moments you know at age of 26 like it was like we wore our heart on our sleeve but that was just the way we were going to do this because for us to sit and sulk about the pain and the the oh my gosh this is happening to my baby like um we were able to flip that and just kind of be like what can we do next to better her quality of life at this moment? Like there was no, is she going to die? Is she going to live? It was, this is the only option. <laughs> right, right. And um, so, yeah, long story short, she is like, what, nine and the most athletic and smart child. Um, she is thriving and um, she's beautiful and she has taught me so much about just life in general, like for sure. That first moment where um, I kind of figured out that it was time to take charge and be the leader for her, right, of, you know, of our family. Not, I mean, Cecil is obviously our <laughs> our rock, but in that moment of like what do we have to do how can we do this how can we make um what are the best decisions for her right now and just so many it's crazy because like the the staff at the castle like became our family and by the time she was done with her treatment like we were our i shouldn't say we me i was so connected to them that I was sad that we didn't have a reason to go to the third floor oh. anymore, you know, oh, like, yeah. and, um, 
like even the day that they were like all right her tumor is gone like we're good I I actually cried when we left because I was like I don't know what to do without you guys <laughs> mm. so and because they become part of your family when you're there for four or five days at a time so right right yeah well and you know I have lots of questions to ask but uh, one thing that I wanted to say is that I entitled this trial to triumph for a reason because there's a there's a level of triumph that comes out of every trial you know whether we can see it here in our earthly version or our heavenly version but um, one of the ways that you have been able to turn this into a triumph and to continue to honor that family is the way that you always give back yeah. you know so you want to talk a little bit about that yeah, so um, every September, our um, when we started, you know, uh, after Melanie was diagnosed, we took a a year off, obviously. But then we learning more about every September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and what people don't know is only four percent of like the cancer, um, like the money dedicated to cancer goes to childhood cancer, which is absurd, bizarre, <laughs> yeah. bizarre. Um, so there's a whole slogan that's more than four and it just means more than 4% to be dedicated to childhood cancer. But, um, right away, like the year after everything was solid, I ended up pregnant with Whitney, which is a whole nother story, but <laughs> that, um, for the next episode right, of right Ashley Guile, <laughs> um, uh, but right away I was like, I want to do like I want to do something major like and I was like I want to have like this gold room and I just want it to be like a big old benefit or um, like a gala type thing where I was like I want to do big well so what that ended up being was we do a, <laughs> reality <laughs> right we do um, every September we do a walk around our city park um, and at that walk we don't ask for much we, we just if you can make one lap around the park that's great if you can come and hang out and enjoy the day like that's great um that we do like a donation can and people just kind of put in whatever they want and or bring like an uh, unopened unused toy that we can take to the castle so to keep that tied with Mulaney is we do the walk and then um, we take that money and her and I and typically my mom go to Sioux Falls and we do like a little shopping spree at Target and then um, we take Mulaney to the castle and deliver all of the toys to the castle and it's varied from year to year it's it's so much fun though but um, it's varied from year to year but our biggest year we had five thousand dollars to spend on toys in this town of five hundred people. Like that's the part what? that's cool. Yeah. So Wow. Um, and you know, some of those donations were virtual, some of them were in person. But yeah. So now our kind of our goal for each year is like two to three thousand is what basically ends up averaging. But it's just a really great opportunity. Because Melanie, one of the things that she has taught me is that she does not identify with cancer. And I had pushed that and pushed that and pushed that on her for so long um, because that's what I wanted, right? Like I made her, or I had her grow out her hair 
so she could cut it and donate it to Wigs for Kids because they're mm. like what the ones that help with pediatric cancer patients. Like I wanted to do the Walk of Wishes for the Mir- um, Make-A-Wish Foundation because we were the recipient of a wish for a treehouse. Um, so like I wanted her to be spotlighted in that. I wanted, you know, and it took me a couple of years and it took um, our friend Jen to ask me, she's like, okay, like reflect on this. Do you want this or does Mulaney want it? And I was like, right. oh crap, oh crap, you know, like, and so in the past couple Whew, of years. That's hard. Right. In the past couple of years, I've just been like, okay, so it's no longer like Mulaney's mission to do this walk it is just the Myrtle Childhood Cancer Walk and that pulls her out of it and you know I my hope is that someday that um she would you know I always think like she can tell her story but she doesn't even know her story she was 10 months old Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's not her story honestly I mean it is and it isn't like it's my story that I want to share to help parents feel like you know you're not alone like there is all of these different emotions that go with cancer Ugh. right (laughs) but that's that's such a powerful thing because you know it even says in the bible and we talk about in you know holistic living that what you meditate on is you know Mm -hmm. and and in words can become your identity. And so for her, um, you know, she didn't want necessarily to be known as the cancer kid, not to say that if you're a, you know, I have someone very close to me and I won't tell her story because it's her story to tell. Um, But that's something I would also say about her is that she never took that identity on as being the teenager who had, you know, the right. teenage cancer kid or whatever. Right. Um, she is just who she is and she never wore it as like a uh, get out of jail free card or a, you know what I'm trying to say? This is me. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And, and we have to be ca- oh, sorry. I was just going to say we have to be careful with that too because sometimes even we can fall into that with other things like mm-hmm. um Obviously, within Soul Naturals, a lot of what I talk about is mental health. And so when I would go on Facebook and other social medias and talk about anxiety all the time because I was trying to help people with anxiety, in a in a way, I kind of became the anxiety girl. Right. And, and honestly, like, sometimes I have to remind myself to go back and talk about that because when you stop talking about it all the time, you kind of stop thinking about it, and that is a part of your recovery process as well. Mm-hmm. So you, it is it is tough to not become those things that you are, if that makes sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I like that moment where, you know, she was like, "I don't, I don't want to talk about cancer. I don't want." to be in the spotlight of, you know, this event or that event, I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that I maybe don't need to use her on, but I can use myself. Like if that's what's passionate to me, like that's what I But what a tough pill to swallow as a mom, right? Yeah, right. Well, and and that's just it is so like as we've kind of – 
obviously, nine years later, eight years later, as I see, you know, children pop up with our moms on Facebook being like, we got a blow today and uh, my child has cancer. I always, like if I see it, I always reach out and just say like, you know, I know nobody can ever say that they know where you're at and it feels even more um, abandoned when it's a childhood cancer diagnosis because it's just not as familiar as what, or it wasn't for us anyway. Like we didn't know anybody in our minds that had it. And so just to be like, you know, if you need a voice, like my child did have cancer, I do know a little bit of what that feels like. I don't know everything because nobody does, right? Like nobody knows how you're going to any situation. But if you ever need that outlet, like I'm here. And some have been really well received and some have not. But um, I actually think like from that initial conversation, there was a friend of my sister-in-law's that their child, infant, um, had cancer. I cannot remember if it's neuroblastoma, but I, um, but she reached out to me the other day and they're, um, kind of done with their treatments and just doing the maintenance and everything. And she was like, okay, like we moved back to South Dakota and I think I want to start up an organization for Mm. cancer. Is that something that you would be interested in? I was like, heck yeah, that vision from, you know, eight years ago is coming to <laughs> coming to fruition. Oh gosh. So we'll see what yeah. happens. You know, it's it'll be a work in progress, but it'll yeah. be fun to go on that yeah. journey. And you know what? Those those I'm a big proponent of the smaller foundations because I feel like less goes to waste and administrative costs and things like that. And yeah. for those of you who are listening, um and honestly I almost forgot for a moment that we're recording a podcast because I feel like we're just having this conversation, which is so beautiful, and I hope you guys can feel that. Um, but I know my sister and brother-in-law, um, there's Nick Foundation, because I'm here in Northwest Indiana, and it stands for Northwest Indiana Kids with Cancer, and they do all kinds of amazing stuff, and it's really powerful what those smaller foundations can do versus like the gargantuan ones, which of course they're going to be doing more research and, you know, but these, these smaller foundations are more people to people where you can make a bigger impact because it's so much more intimate um, rather than, but before I forget, is there a way for those who might have it on their heart to donate either, you know, donate prayers mm-hmm. or donate finances to um, the walk or the toy drive or anything like that. Is there something that I can put in the show notes for people to reach out to you? Yeah. So we do have our, um, we have a Facebook page and it, I think it's literally labeled like the Myrtle area cancer walk. <laughs> okay. Um, but I can I can definitely send that to you. And then last year, I think a few friends like yourself and um, some of our other friends just donated personally to my my Venmo account. I don't have a separate one set up for the any of it. But um, so yeah, I bet. Okay. Okay. You know, but also like on a larger scale, you know, there is the St. Baldrick's Foundation that dedicates to childhood um, cancer research. And there's also another organization close to you, um, Cal's Angels. They okay. are, I think they're in Chicago-based. Um, okay. 
but they bike across America. And we actually, um, two years ago, they were in Murdo, and my kids hate they hate and they love when I find random stuff in Murdo, which actually leads into my next my next yes. overtime, right? Um, <laughs> but it is um, they have like a, a bus van type thing. I don't know what it really was. And it was all yellow, and it had a big yellow ribbon on it, which is the our gold ribbon, which is for childhood cancer. And so it caught my attention. And they were actually late for school this day. But we pulled into the driveway, and they were all outside on their bikes. And I was like, what are you saying? Like, what, what, what is this? And they're like, oh, we're riding for childhood cancer. And I turned and looked at Melanie, and she was so mad at me. <laughs> I like, well, I have my own overcomer right here, you know, and um, whatnot. And um, so they all got together and took a picture with her. And they ended up sending her, like, a, just a fun package of, like, you did it and, you know, just stickers and little things. But they um, they do help with children in need. I think their focus is the Chicagoland area, but when there was a, um, my cousin's son actually got diagnosed with leukemia a couple of years ago. And um, so I, when that happened, I reached out and said, you know, this happened. Is there any way that, you know, you guys can send them a little support and they sent them a little package and just some fun stuff and just a great organization and they plan to come through Murdo again in the future and I can't wait like I want to make it a bigger deal you know what I mean like oh yeah so yeah yeah oh that's so awesome so awesome and um, before we transition to I mean all of this is my favorite but I am really fascinated with what (laughs) Ashley does for a living but I have to circle back all the way to the beginning because the image of you crying asking about her hair like mm-hmm. that hit that hit me because someone very close to me um who also had cancer that was one thing that that she asked about too and right. i think i think that's what makes us human you know right. i'm not supposed to be the one crying on the podcast <laughs> this is supposed to be your job <laughs> um but that is so much part of our humanness where those are the kind of questions that we ask and like on a very, very small scale. I remember one time my son had to be hospitalized when he was a baby and that was like literally one of the first things I asked was also a very human question that you asked as well. Like, can I go home and get my clothes? Because right. you just think like stupid, like, well, can I go home and get my phone charger? <laughs> you right. know, but um, the hair and um, I had the privilege of touring South Dakota and staying with Ashley this past <laughs> summer and um, seeing Mount Rushmore and staying in her home and seeing her beautiful, beautiful community, which you'll hear about in a minute. And I will tell you that Melanie, she's got all the hair in the world. So, <laughs> and then some, um, Melanie, if you ever want to make a wig for me, I would totally wear it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so the, the I just, I wanted to circle back to that because that really, the humanness of that um, mm-hmm. and the connection I've had to my own personal life um, that like hair, especially for a girl, hair is what makes us, not all of us, because like, what was it, G.I. Jane or whatever her name yeah. was? Yeah. <laughs> she didn't have hair, but for most of us, hair makes us it's kind of like feminine, right? And beautiful. My, so, 
Well, All right. Well, let's transition to Miss Economic Development Director. And you guys, I just think – let's just talk for a minute of the contrast. And I think that's part of why I – Find what Ashley does, which she'll tell you in a second, so interesting, but I think it's the contrast of I've spent my entire life in the very heavily populated Chicago suburbs. Now I've moved into northwest Indiana because it is Chicago land. It's spreading into the state of Indiana. Um, we're kind of more of the rural suburbs, but um, we have no shortage of anything. You name the restaurant, we go to it. I mean, if I want to buy a brand new couch, I just drive down the street. Um, we have every food chain. We have daycares. We have massive police departments. We have jobs galore. The dichotomy, which is, I think I'm using that big word correctly, <laughs> but to a smaller town where you don't, like, those things aren't always so accessible. Yeah. And let's just talk about how far away is the nearest target? <laughs> Two hours. Right. When you go, it's worth it. <laughs> um, mine, according to Apple Maps, because I literally looked it up, it's four minutes. <laughs> and I could be at probably six of them within a half hour. So just like the contrast, and I think that's why it's so intriguing. So why don't you just start by saying, what is it exactly that you do? Sure. So I think what's more important to preface that is that all of the all of these steps that I had gone through and overcame led me to this position because we've mm. talked about this so many times. Yes. Um, yes. That. You know, five years ago, I would never mentally be able to um, successfully do what I'm doing right now, be in this position. So there, there's definitely that. Um, but so basically what economic development is, and it varies from community to community, but the gist of it is is that we're looking for business retention and expansion in our um, remote areas, for me specifically, and then also making sure that our quality of life and quality of living um, is desirable for those to move to our town, to build, to own a business, to create, to create in our community. So which has also been interesting because as I met with um, the governor's office of economic development representative on Tuesday, she really challenged me to sit back and really think about what this position looks like to me, because I am the pioneer in this position. I am the first person and in a small town of 500 that may not sound like a big deal, (laughs) but there's a lot of feelings about um, what you want your community to look like and how, you know, what, how you want it to grow or how you want it to thrive and um, really staying in what that, you know, our, our community really wants to stay and that's where we value and appreciate and accept and love and everything of who comes in and sometimes that's hard to break down those walls to say it might not look like your, um, you know, your cookie cutter of this is what you need in order for it to thrive. We might have to allow some 
um, a variety of people to come into the community and um, let down our guard of this is the way things were always done. So it, it's definitely had its challenges, but it's been so much fun and rewarding at the same time too. So, um, uh, like, I don't know, where do you want me to lead with this? Where do you want me to go? <laughs> oh my goodness. There's so many, right. So many different <laughs> directions that we could go. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I have to chime in and say that like, some of what you're overcoming, because let's take it back to overcomers, are challenges that all towns have. Like even my town, I have no idea how many people live in this town, but there are people here who are like, I remember when, blah, 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 mm. blah, blah, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it can be so hard for so many people to open their eyes yeah. to to change. But... um. You know, some of the things that I find to be really interesting is, like, some of the things that you've worked on throughout the years. Like, I remember the daycare situation, you know, kind of blew my mind. Like, I never really thought about, like, what would happen if a town didn't have daycare. Or, you know, um, certain things like what a difference it could make for a small town to bring in – like something that brings three or four jobs, you mm-hmm. you consider three or four jobs, if each of those is a family, that's 12 more people, that's an increase of population of whatever percentage, where if you're thinking big city, big suburbs, or even rural suburbs, it doesn't, I don't want to say that bringing in four families doesn't really make a difference, but I mean, you've been to my house. We have four families that move in every other weekend, right. you know? So right. talk a little bit about those sorts of things um, at a sure. small-town scale. Okay. So during COVID, we'll go with daycare. During COVID, um, obviously, the world shut down. <laughs> and it, while South Dakota stayed open, you know, per our governor's um, you you do have a pretty awesome right. governor and, and Governor Christy Nome. If you would ever like to be on the podcast, you are you're more than welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I love your governor. Right. So um, that was our thing is that South Dakota is open and um, but that came after you know six months of finding out what what COVID was and what it entailed and right where we right. were going. Um, so in that time, our daycare providers, one was, um, like, for lack of better terms, I'm going to say a grandma and she was tired and she was like, I can't do it anymore. And so it was an opportunity for her to shut down. And, um, like my daycare provider, her family ended up moving to Nebraska because her, um, in a small town, Alliance, Nebraska, I think, so small town ish, not as small as Myrtle. Um, but, they moved there um, for a job for her husband. And then once, like, the, you know, the whole year we did um, e-learning or virtual school mm-hmm. or whatever. And once the summer got done, which, by the way, like, let's talk about that for a second, too. Because when I went You're... in to get my, I know, this is my brain, though, right? Wait, wait, wait. Can I just say that was like one of the biggest things I overcame in my life was surviving that. <laughs> right? Yeah, 100%. Um, 
I, I remember going to the school three, four weeks after um, we were in whatever, quote, unquote, lockdown. And, um, like, the, the principal was there, the superintendent was there, which is actually, I grew up with her son, and we were just really close. And um, a couple of teachers. And I think, like, I walked in, and I just bawled. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because I was like, this is our world, like, now. Like, what is this? And, like, to not – I'm just such a human person that I need that interaction. And it was tough. That was tough. Totally mm-hmm. tough. Like, I am not that, going back there. <laughs> well, and just, like, the, the – you know, I don't want to go too much into this, but the irrationality of it. Like, yeah. Like, not, nothing, like, made sense. Like, oh, well, now you should wear this thing in your face, but you could take it off here, but then – when you're doing this, you you know, and like yeah. at this magic distance, you're okay, but you're not okay there, and it's just yeah. like it was it was dumb, but it from a holistic perspective, like my son was in kindergarten at the time, and I've talked to other moms um whose kids were in the same class, and we call them COVID babies, not that mm-hmm. they were babies really, because they were in kindergarten, but the emotional damage that we're seeing in these kids now that they're now, you know, nine, 10 years old is, is crazy because it was like their first big year in school. This was so exciting. They're, right. they're big kids. Now they're going to school and then learning how to read and write. And that all got taken away. And I remember my son sitting in front of the computer when we got, you know, the zoom class up or whatever, and him like wanting to, push the computer off the desk and he's like I don't want to see my friends on the screen I want to see them in real life you know those weren't the words he used those are grown-up words but basically the gist of what he was saying like holy cow that was that was a tough time but anyway in the midst of of that you also lost your daycare is what we were going to right I was like where were we yes (laughs) yes so once, um, whatever, lockdowns were over and we moved on, um, Murdo was with no daycare. And uh, I wasn't in my position yet. Um, I got um, offered the position in, like, November, but because of no daycare, I was like, I cannot start until January because whatever. Like, I can do things from home, but it won't be, like, an in-office type deal um, until then. So I, um, one of actually my downline in Seoul or um, one of my friends that was working with us was looking to move out of her hometown. And I was like, you know, we don't have daycare in Murdo. Like, would that be something you're interested in? And she totally was like, yeah. And I about, I was like, okay. <laughs> like I didn't expect that. Like that was like my first thing as an economic development director. That even though I you didn't like, even have the job yet, right? I was like, I did this. So um, <laughs> yeah. So she uh, it ended up that a family was moving out of our community um, into the Black Hills area, and um, she just kind of took their spot. At their house, she rented it for a year, and then it's now um, in the midst of purchasing it. I don't know the exact whatever details, but um, it it worked. 
And I was like, okay, so this is going to be easy. Like, if this is all it is, it's just a connection, <laughs> getting people to come here. And she was the only daycare up until um, this summer. So that was in 2022, and which I guess is only, no, it was 20. No. When did I start this job? I always think that I've been here forever, and I've only been January of 22. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. yeah. So a year and a half ago is, like, when that conversation about started with, for taking on the daycare. So then um, this year we had another gal that was like, hey, I'm ready to stay at home and do daycare. And so now we have two and we're like, living here in Murdo. Yeah. Um, And like they could be full, but because people had to adjust and um, they didn't want to step away from that, you know, because once your kids get into preschool, in Murdo, it's a half day for the children. So then it's essentially just the afternoon that either the parent or a grandparent or a family friend um, watches the child. And um, so that's kind of where the transition is right now is like with these, with one daycare, we didn't have enough, but with two, we haven't filled all those spots, but I still feel like it'll be fine. We're It's getting there. Um, and, um, but yeah, so that was like my first success story that kind of got me going. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to do all the things. And <laughs> Ashley got a reality check. And um, actually just this last month, I was able to say no to a project that I would be there to support and do everything I can, but I cannot commit to the meetings and the planning and everything. And that honestly felt really good because mm. in my mind, I just want to do I want to be a part of all of it, but also learning that, hey, it's going to take a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The what's, what's the name of that book that you and I have both read, um, The Best Yes? Oh, yeah. If you guys have not read that book, and the premise of the book that um, both Ashley and I use when making decisions is every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else, mm-hmm. meaning that if you commit to some committee that meets in the evening, are you okay telling your kids, no, I will not eat dinner with you? Right. And if that's a yes, I mean, certainly. Like, I have meetings every Monday night, and that's a yes for me, and I let my family know and whatever. Um, And we just make sure we have dinner the rest of the time. But so that's – there is a powerful thing – so the word no is really powerful, but I sometimes think we underestimate the power of the word yes, too, that we make sure we give it our best yes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's just – that was one of, like, the the standalone times when I just became fascinated with the concept of a small town because, like I said, it's so different from what I've grown up in and what you see on TV or whatever is, like, fantasy. You know, you don't really think about the fact that, like – all these women who have children who need to go to work, if they don't have daycare because the town has no daycare, they can't go to work. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. somebody needs to solve that issue. And it's just like when a daycare closes in a bigger city or a bigger community, you're like, oh, crap, ABC daycare closed. Now I need to go to one, two, three daycare or whatever. Um yeah, and like I said, the the place where I live in northwest Indiana is a is I we live in a development. So it's houses are being built all the time. I mean, I'm looking at out the window at three or four houses under construction right now. 
not a big deal at all when a family moves in. The town now has five more people every other day. But for a town of 500, what does that impact? What does that look like when you're, like, trying to be attractive um, Mm -hmm. for families to say, hey, I want to move in, I want to raise my family? What sorts of things do you need to overcome? And how do you make yourself attractive? Because there is growth by biology, obviously having children, but then Mm -hmm. there's also growth by attracting these families, which before I let you talk, let's just talk about it. Like, I don't know about you, but small town life compared to some of the stuff that's going on in the bigger cities, like that has got to be helping you guys right now. Yeah. With people wanting to get out of the big cities, are you not seeing that so much? No, I would say for sure. Um, when the gal from um, the governor's office of economic development was here this last week, we had a discussion about some of that. And in those COVID months when Nome was saying, Hey, we're open, like bring your business here. Like that was huge for us. We had like, there's a, a thing called like a request for information where um, communities can fill out their information and see if it attracts this business to come to their um, town and build. So, um, it's called an RFI for short. And then she said at that time, in those two years of the COVID-ish years, um, there was like five RFIs that came through their office monthly. And we're mm. starting to see a little bit of a slowdown on that where it's like one every other month or two every other month. And um, so there, there is a little bit of a slowdown, but that's okay because I, I think, honestly, South Dakota needs to catch up for a second. <laughs> we were you, we weren't you guys took in a lot of strays <laughs> yeah like because i mean south dakota is a slower pace of life and that is what i think it does attract people and with the small towns yeah like one of the coolest things that i think i'm learning is that there are people that are getting on youtube and they'll type in like they'll maybe identify a few different places in our south dakota um that might attract them but they go to youtube and they see what kind of videos are on there and that's something like in our community that we're lacking is that Mm. we don't have that so that's kind of one of those things that's on my forefront is you know kind of like with you learning this podcast i was like i'm so scared like what if the video is just silly because i can tend to get a little silly at times and um doesn't really attract what I want it to do, you know? So instead of just like jumping in and doing, like I keep finding other things that I can, I can do or that need to be done or whatever. And so eventually, like it's definitely on my forefront. I just need to get more confident. So, um, but yeah, so people moving in have proven to be interesting because with our housing market, we have, we have some great, family homes but maybe some of those haven't been updated or they're ones like that um a sibling wants to hold on to because mom and dad passed and like that's where their heart is and that's where they grew up and they can't imagine somebody else living in their home and i don't want to be like come on but (laughs) i get it i i mean i get it like you want your memories and you want them to be treasured well let's pause right there tell them a little bit about the home you live in yeah, my um, we bought our house from my parents. My parents bought this house when I was in junior high. And then after Melanie was done with her cancer, 
we made him keep it until <laughs> she was done <laughs> because I was like, you know, when, when they're sick, you have to clean all the time, especially during the germ season. And we lived in a, a small two-bedroom house with one bathroom. And, like, I could handle doing that every day. This is, I mean, it's a ranch style. I don't even know how big of a house with a basement and the whole nine. And um, I was like, I cannot imagine having to clean that every day. So you guys keep that house until we're in the clear. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then we'll take it. Um, yeah, so a little bit of holding on to family memories even for you. Yeah. You know, right. and yep. if having been to your house, holy cow, like talk about a view, like yeah. the beauty of South Dakota. She she lives in the outskirts of town and it's just, mm-hmm. wow, just yeah. beautiful. Yeah, we we do have a pretty great view and it's definitely something that I think at times we take for granted, but I was trying not to the other day as I was coming, we live across the interstate, so I came off the interstate and I was on top of our, you know, the little hill that was there. But you could just see, like, the the lines from um, harvesting and stuff. And, like, the pasture is green. We don't get green at this time of year very often. We don't get a lot of rain. Um, and it was, like, like that. It was just cool. Like, something I haven't really either paid attention to in the past or, um, you know, just, like, it caught my attention and I was like, that is like true beauty and what people really think of like the prairie looking like is like the brown lines with the, where they harvested and then green grass around it. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's easy to do where I live, you know, everything is just so flat and I'm like, ah, it's so flat and boring. But then <laughs> look at a sunset or a sunrise out here. I mean, you see the whole thing. Right. And just miles and miles and miles and it's just it's it's really beautiful. But yeah. um Yeah. So yeah. So back to housing. Like we we found that there are we've identified, like the, our development court board has identified that housing is an issue in Murdo and it's not necessarily that we wanted to spend this money to create like a spec home but we have a program in South Dakota um, called the Governor's House Program and so we worked our little tails off for about six months and we got enough funding together to put like our um, down payment on down for um, two governor's homes and we're on a list that will take about three years to get here. <laughs> mm. So, um, but the governor's house program is very great because what it does is it, um, they, they build them in the prison. And so like, that's what they're, they, well, that's cool. Yeah. They train them for a trade while they're in prison so that when they're, you know, out that they have somewhere to go, that they can be successful. And, uh, yeah. And I guess, I've learned a little bit more about it, and I guess like other states have tried to duplicate the program, but uh, there's just something that they miss that we do because it's not as successful for them. Um, but yeah, it, and it's not like our prisons don't aren't full because we are at capacity from last that I knew. Um, it's just that people now are really taking advantage of this governor's house program because you're getting a house for $87,000, a three-bedroom house. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have to put your foundation and your appliances in and such, but yeah. 
it's yours for 87000 So that That is cool. And, you know, such a crossover of resources, you know, like let's, um, from like the human spirit of like the, the power of feeling like, what, what's the words I'm looking for? Like purpose. Yeah. Giving these people, whether or not they made mistakes, right? Okay, we right. made a mistake, but let's give you a purpose, right? right. Because you're you're human, and we value human life. Right. And let's give you a purpose. Let's give you some training. Let's give you a future, and let's give a family a home. And mm-hmm. that's something that isn't lost, you know. Even on guys that work um, construction, my husband was a framer for 20 years, as you know, and he has said to me that that to me often like okay let's face it my husband would frame a house depending on the size of the house be done and over with it in two weeks onto the next one and the next one and the next one over 20 years you're like yeah i built that i built that i built that right there's no emotional connection really because that's what you do for a job however he would say that every once in a while he would stop and he would look at a house especially the houses that he maybe did build 15 20 years ago and say now how many families have lived in that house man Right. Like the emotion oh. of that, like right. I just built that house. Now, how long is that house going to stand? How many families and memories and whatever are going to be created? And this program that the state has, the governor has set up, I yeah. mean, the, the trace of impact that that has, that's, that's super cool. Right. Super cool. And um, Yeah, super fun for a super fine fact about South Dakota is that we have a really great program. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of uh, South Dakota, one thing that I learned when I visited this past summer was South Dakota is a huge tourism state. Mm-hmm. Every single um, truck stop and whatever has some sort of tourist, I call it a tourist trap, but that <laughs> I think sometimes it has like a negative connotation. It's not meant to sound that way but like a tourist activity I guess is what Mm -hmm. I would say which was super cool we did some of the most unique things and I love how the communities come together and they're like well let's do something to to create revenue for the town right right um but you guys as a small town have the unique um advantage of being on the way to some of the big ones like the hills and Mount Rushmore and things like that. So all of you who are listening who may be (laughs) taking a trek up to Mount Rushmore or something or um, what else did we go to? The Badlands. Yep, yep. Um, Make sure you stop in Murdo and support the small towns. Um, When you stop on the exits, don't, don't forget that that's, that's a huge economic impact for those small towns. So maybe detour right. a little bit and stop and eat lunch at some of the diners or get ice cream or, um, yeah, you know, check out their little car museum or, um, yeah. yeah. Cause that, that really does make, really does make a difference. Yeah. So. Cause we're just, we are a town on I-90 and about directly between, um, Sioux Falls and Rapid City. So Sioux Falls is about three hours. Rapid City is about two, two and a half. So yeah, we um, we're a pit stop for a lot of people, but that's something that we. Okay, and when I say we, maybe more me that I keep. <laughs> 
keep asking the community and the development court to like really think about is how we have a four-way stop. We don't have a stoplight. We have a four-way stop, and it's right there by the um, two gas stations. And um, how can we get them to come, them, the tourists, the travelers, how can we get travelers to come past that four-way stop and see what we really have to offer? Um, Because when you look at it, like it really is kind of amazing how these small towns adapt and just grow to fit the needs of what their community is, but also, like you said, to to be available for the travelers. Um, like Myrtle has seven hotels, I think. Hmm. I say, but I think it's like seven hotels, and then um, we do have a couple seasonal, and then we have uh, four restaurants, and a couple of those are seasonal. So in the winter months, it gets a little tough. But I also, like, that's kind of where I kind of um, have a little passion, too, is how can we be relevant in the off-season as well, a.k.a. the winter months, when there's the snowstorms mm-hmm. that lock you into your house? <laughs> but, Going all the way back. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Um. So, but that is, too, like, something that, not just me as like economic development, but I think like our uh, our age range population. I don't know what you want to say. You know those those thirty to forty year olds or thirty five to forty five, whatever it might be. Like, what can we do in the winter months to still be relevant, to still have stuff going on, and still attract you know others to join us like that? And that's I think the beauty of South Dakota is like regionalism plays a part um we might drive 45 minutes to the neighboring town to support their steakhouse because they have xyz going on that night or you know um 20 miles east of us is presho has like a bowling alley so we could go to pier but sometimes we like to go to presho to bowl because they're small just like us and why not give them a little boost like so I think that's the cool part about like rural South Dakota on a different note than, um, you know, unless you technically live here, you probably don't experience because there are things that different communities provide and um, just being able to go out there and support one another, even though, you know, in sports, there might be rivalries and, Right, you know, right. Your friends, but you still have friends, and you're still you still care. You still want those towns to succeed, and so yeah, and it's and and it is it's so beautiful. Like even when I was when I like I said when I was there, I was like, we don't have a car museum in my town. (laughs) Like, where's the cool things for us to do? You know, and I and I think when you are smaller one of the beautiful things is that there is so much more care and effort and I'm not saying that my town, I mean, my town definitely has some issues. So let's not even talk about that, but um, there's, there's definitely a level of love and care. And I will tell you, as we wrap up, um, one of the most out of body experiences, speaking of out of body experiences that I had while visiting her, they have this little community pool in town, which was a total blast. <laughs> And I said to her when we were there, I said, 
So how many of these people, I don't know, maybe there were 75 people there. I don't know how many people were there. I was like, how many of these people that are here do you know? And you looked around and you said, all of them. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Really? You know, all these people. Right. Yeah. And I don't know them. Associate them with who they are. (laughs) Right. I mean, if if, maybe if you don't know their first name, you know who their brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers whatever whatever and I was I I was trying to explain this to my kids before we went there and I said my kids go to a private school but they go to a large private school and I was trying to explain to them to say that listen there's more kids at you guys' school actually there's probably triple if you include the staff plus the students there's probably three times as many people in your school that you see every day as live in Miss Ashley's town. And, and like, just, it's it's hard to visualize that sometimes. Yeah. And, I mean, I can't imagine going to Target and literally knowing everyone in the store. Right. Um, but, I mean, it was just amazing. Everyone was there. Everyone who was there was friendly. The food was, I can't even tell you how good the food is. <laughs> like everywhere we ate, I think Deacon ordered off of a kid menu um, at some place and he could order a steak because heck, it's South Dakota. So, right. you know, <laughs> it was awesome. But, yeah. well, Miss Ashley Geigel, not only are you an amazing friend, but you're an amazing guest um, as a podcast, on my podcast. And, you, I mean, we didn't even go into all the things that make Ashley, Ashley. Right. Um, so I'll have to come and back. Yes, yes. You are the one who is brave enough to be my number one, um, you know, because that's a brave spot to be because I don't really know what the heck I'm doing yet, nor will I probably ever. <laughs> that's the beauty of it all. Yeah, but... I really hope for those of you guys who are listening, I hope that you feel my heart in this, that I truly, truly believe that everyone has a story, big, small, or in between. You know, your story might not be childhood cancer, postpartum depression, um, a tough position that's been created for you that has its own trials in itself, mm-hmm. but it 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 might be, you know, those smaller things and those smaller things still add up and uh, you've got a story to tell and that story is important so all right that's a wrap episode one thank you Ashley Geigel and we'll have you on again sounds wonderful I can't wait all right thanks talk to you later well that's a wrap I hope you were inspired and moved today since this podcast is self-sponsored I just want to take a minute and tell you about something that helps me to be an overcomer every single day it's my favorite product from Soul Naturals called Cinemate Cinemate is an herbal blend of just five ingredients that gives me all the energy that I need without the crash or shakes balances my blood sugar and gives me the clarity to get all the things I need to get done like this podcast and of course it's great for building up my immune system and digestive help as well. Do me a favor, go check it out at soulnaturals.com backslash Kristen and use my code Kristen to get $10 off your first order. That's soul as in S-O-L-L-E. Seriously, thanks for listening. It does mean a lot. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and send to a friend who you think would be blessed by it. And I'll see you next week.